Before we get started, I want you to know that uh, if I ever ask you to do something for our church and you say I'm uncomfortable doing that, that once a month I make myself about as uncomfortable as possible being in that choir. And so just know that uh, I'm, I'm adding these things up and I'm going to... Uh, I'm making deposits, and I'm going to make a withdrawal from each of you guys one day. And so just know it's coming. So I'm not comfortable is not a good excuse. And uh, on that same note, uh, we've got some people that are starting to call in for uh, these smoke detectors that we're offering. And uh, so when one of the gentlemen who is familiar with installing them asks you to come with them and share the gospel with somebody, uh, I'm not comfortable doesn't fit the bill. Okay? So it needs to be a, a yes, sir, right away, sir type thing as opposed to uh, I don't like doing that. So we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 5, if you have your copy of God's Word. If you go ahead and make your way that way. Let me open us up in prayer as you head that way. Father, thank you for your Word. Thank you for uh, the musicians that we have. Thank you for the uh, singers that we have, that we can worship you uh, in song. And God, we pray that as we uh, as we look at your Word today and as you... Uh, as you tell us how to abstain from evil, Lord, I pray that you would guard my tongue against being legalistic. Lord, I pray that you would guard the ears of our church uh, in hearing that I'm legalistic. And Lord, I pray that we would be able to take a step back from our life. I pray that we would be able to look at it with a bird's eye view. And Lord, I pray that we would be able to see if there is even as much as a hint of evil in our lives. And Lord, I pray that if there is, uh, that you would make it uh, like vomit in our mouths and we would just long to spit it out so that we can be more like your son, Christ. And we ask these things in his name. Amen. Well, if you're in Ephesians, I will give you a quick review. The Apostle Paul writes the book of Ephesians out of prison. And he writes it to the church, and this letter uh, is viewed by many as a, as a chain letter or a circular letter that's going to make its way around to a bunch of different churches. And so Paul gives very briefly and in a nutshell the nuts and bolts of what is needed for a church to be healthy and a church to be uh, exactly where Christ wants it to be. And so he starts out by telling you in the first three chapters everything that you have in Christ. I told you before that the apostles, Jesus, none of these guys ever just walk onto the scene and demand things from you. They always give you a reason why you should do the things that they're telling you. And so Paul very meticulously walks in chapters 1 through 3 very carefully why you should even be excited about doing the things that he's going to tell you in chapters 3 through 6. Excuse me, chapters 4 through 6. And so Paul starts out by telling you that you were chosen before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless. He says that you have redemption through the blood of Christ. He says you also have forgiveness of sins in Christ. Then he says that in Christ you have been made known the mystery of God's will. And so he also goes on to say that you have been adopted into God's family. So you were once an alien and a foreigner, but God brings you into his family through adoption. He redeems you. He forgives you of your sin. Then he goes on to say that he prays for you that you would know the power and that you would be able to understand the incomprehensible love that Christ Jesus has for you. And so he goes on and on and on about all these great things about Christ. 
Then in verse 4, he turns the tables. Remember when, when you came to church about three weeks ago and it was fun and we left excited and we were just so encouraged about all the great things that God did for us? And maybe the last two or three Sundays we've left thinking, mm, man, maybe I'm, maybe I'm not all that I thought I was living up to how great God is. I was telling you during those first three weeks that they were going to be encouraging. And then in the middle of Ephesians, God, Ephesians, Paul turns the table and he says, yes, Christ is all of those things. He is all of that. Then he says in the beginning of chapter four, now I want you to walk worthy of the gospel. Now I want your life to reflect everything that we just talked about. And so today is going to probably be. Now, I'm going to tell you what it's going to be, but just know that I'm, I'm used to talking to college students and students. Today's going to be a real kick in the teeth. Um, it's going to be hard. Uh, today, if you really examine the scriptures and you, and you take a genuine look at your life, it's going to be probably the most difficult we, week we have together because he's talked about how Christ works in the church. He's talked about spiritual gifts briefly. And now he's going to talk about how Christians are supposed to behave when it comes to evil. And the reason this is going to be hard is because we don't think of ourselves as evil people. We don't think of ourselves as being easily entertained by evil. So I'm going to share some things that are going to probably hit pretty close to home on all of us. And that's when I don't want you to hear me being legalistic. I just want you to hear me being honest and say that if we're going to do our best to be like Christ, then we have to put everything on the table and we have to let him cut and, and trim what needs to be cut and trimmed. You see, when you chose to follow Christ, you told Christ when you went through the waters of baptism that you were dying to sin and you were being raised to a new life in Christ. And it's kind of in the same fashion that a butcher would take a piece of meat and put it on the counter and he would trim off the fatty edges of the beef and then sell a perfect piece of meat to, to someone who wanted to purchase it. In the same way, we need to do that with, with Christ. We need to take our heart and we need to put it on the table and we need to let him trim and take what he wants. And so keep all of that in mind when I go through and I start giving uh, illustrations and I'll walk you through a few things that are accepting in our culture, but I think are are painfully wrong that we need to abstain from. So let's do this. Ephesians chapter 5. I'm going to start in verse 1. Paul says, Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So last week we talked about, he finished off that section in Ephesians chapter 4. By saying, you need, little child, to act like God. You've been adopted into God's family. Now you, if you want to live the Christian life right, you need to imitate God as, as dearly loved children. And so it's like you're the dearly loved child in the family. And dad is incredibly gracious and kind and, and a model of, of godly living. You are to model God just like a young child who's dearly loved imitates his father. So you want to do this Christian thing right? Imitate God. Now he's going to go on to some examples of what this looks like. Verse 3. This is when it gets tough. But among you, there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. 
Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. So he says that all of these things, the sexual immorality, the impurity, and the greed, these things shouldn't be among you at all. There shouldn't be a hint of them because these are improper for God's holy people. Some of your Bibles say that these are improper for the saints. So if you are a child of God, remember the book of Ephesians said that you, as a Christian, you were dead, excuse me, you as a person, were dead in your trespasses and sin. But God, being rich in mercy... With the great love he has for us, awakened you spiritually, and he brought you over here alive as a child of God. And so you used to be dead in your transgressions and sins. It says that over there, you were hostile towards God, and you were happy doing it. That you were openly rebelling against God. All of us were. But God, out of his mercy, he wakes us up spiritually, and he saves us. In between you being dead and you now, you walked through the waters of baptism and you came into fellowship with this church. And so like we said before, baptism, dying to your sin, raising to a new life in Christ. And so he says that these things, the sexual immorality, impurity, and greed are improper for God's saints. There shouldn't be a hint of them among you. And so when we come to church, it's easy for us to look around and we say, okay, uh, it doesn't look like there's any immorality. It doesn't look like there's any greed. It doesn't look like there's any, let me find the other one, um, any sexual immorality, any impurity or greed. It looks like we're all in good shape. He goes on to say, nor should there be obs- any obscenity. Now, this obscenity is going to be anything that's obscene, probably uh, referring to language that's uncalled for. Foolish talk. This is going to be anything that's not Edifying the body or coarse joking. So any sort of coarse joking, you know what that is when somebody says something and then someone changes it into a a crude joke and everybody snickers uh, under their breath. All of these things are unhealthy for God's people and they shouldn't even be around us. And so as a group of people gathered here today, it'd be easy for us to look around and say, "Okay, we fit the bill. Let me talk to you very briefly. Um. I don't usually make many notes, but uh, but last night I, I Googled what are the top ten TV shows in America. Uh, and I'm going to read them to you kind of in order. And so some of these I'm going to explain to you what the show is about just so you get some sort of idea as to the evil of our society. Anything that is sexually immoral, impure, or greed, these things are not fit for God's people. He says there shouldn't be any obscenity, any foolish talk or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. And so if you're not to do it, if there's not even to be a hint of it among us, it means that when we go about our daily lives, there still shouldn't be a hint of it. Just because you or I aren't coarse jesting, just because you or I aren't being sexually immoral, doesn't mean that you and I need to gather around the TV set and watch other people that are. Listen, a couple weeks ago, we talked about putting off the old man and putting on the new man. And I told you that when you get saved, all that stuff doesn't just go away. You're made a new man, but it's like the old man is on top of you and you're trying to push him off. And so, ladies and gentlemen, when we are trying to put off the old man and put on the new man, 
we're not doing a good job if we keep being entertained by, by the lust of the flesh like the old man used to do. And I hope that makes sense. We watch and we listen to a ton of things that we like to laugh at and we like to giggle at. But if we did them, they would be wrong. They would be dead wrong. That's why most of the time we don't watch TV with my kids around. Because how do I tell my child that it's okay for us to watch someone else doing it, but it's wrong for us to do? Try explaining that to a five-year-old. And just before we jump into this list, I want to tell you that when you surround yourselves with things, many of you uh, subscribe to this old wisdom, and you would tell your children, birds of a feather flock together. Right? You probably told people that when you tried to keep your kids from hanging out with those bad kids that are around the corner. Just like that, you, when you associate with those bad apples that we watch on TV, whether you realize it or not, they affect your life. The music that you listen to, it affects you. We're going to talk a little bit later in this verse that you're always to have a song in your heart towards God. But sometimes that song gets overrun by some other horrible song that you've got memorized that comes on the radio. And it doesn't, you don't think of it as horrible because it's catchy and everybody's singing it. But when you sing those things and you buy into those things, you are actively going against what God's word has to say. So let me jump in uh, to top 10 TV shows. Number 10. And I don't know if this was from last year or if this is from this year. Uh, I did my best to do more time looking at the text than contemporary culture. Uh, so, number 10, True Blood. True Blood, whether you know this or not, is all about vampires. Our culture is incredibly intrigued by vampires. Our culture, whether you realize this or not, is enamored with the idea of immortality. Culture from day one has always wanted to know the key to eternal life. And at the heart and soul of all of these vampire things is how to get eternal life without repenting of your sins, whether you realize this or not. And so, vampires. Number nine, TV show, Supernatural. It's all about angels, demons, and again, immortality. Number eight, Vampire Diaries. Told you the world was enamored with vampires. Vampire Diaries, don't know what that one's about. Some of these shows uh, are, are HBO shows, and I, didn't, I don't know anything about those, um, and I'm not sure if you do either. Number seven, Dexter. The show Dexter, the seventh most popular show, is all about a serial killer. Within this TV show, it says that the TV show, excuse me, the reviews said that people that watch this TV show their heart goes out to the serial killer, and they end up hating the victims of the serial killer, whether you realize this or not when you're watching the show. So sometimes, I'm going to tell you what, our Hollywood producers are incredible at what they do. I'm not belittling the quality of any of this, but I'm telling you that it's possible for you to be sitting in your living room watching a TV show, and you're, I found myself, we watched this show, shucks, let me think. We watched this show... Uh, I don't want to say the wrong one because some of them are awful. But it's one of the ones about the the uh, the family. It, it's not the modern family one. I don't watch that one. Uh, the parenthood. Yeah, thank you. And 
And there was, a, there was a scene a couple years ago where if you know anything about the show, there's a, there's a man who had a, a child with this lady, and then they, they separated, and she started dating this other guy. I found myself praying that when the, or not praying, excuse me, I found myself hoping that when that couple got back together, they would do things that would keep them together. And I thought, what in the world am I doing? I'm watching this TV show and I'm hoping that some sort of immoral act will take place so that it'll keep the family together. And I thought, my goodness, these producers have dragged me in to this saga. And now I'm, I'm cheering for things that I would never normally approve of to happen so that a fictional family can stay together. It happens. You get pulled in whether you realize it or not. So this Dexter show, it makes you pull for the serial killer and then hate the victims. Uh, number six, Once Upon a Time. This Once Upon a Time show is um, is much like the number one show on the list. It's, it's somewhat of a fantasy show. Uh, it's a bit of uh, not nursery rhymes, but it's it's. It's child fantasy mixed with real life. I don't know anything about the show, but I'm going to comment on it when it gets to number one. Number five, and this is when it gets hits a little closer to home. I don't know how much you are into all those other ones. How I Met Your Mother, show number five. The, the show is all about these guys that, that sit around in the bar and they talk about inappropriate things and they recount inappropriate things. And I've seen pieces of the show and listen, it's hilarious. It's funny. Now, is the preacher supposed to tell you that it's funny? I don't know. I, I, I didn't take that class. But listen, the things that you laugh at in that show are absolutely abominable. And if they took place in a real conversation that one of us had, we would throw you out. If you lived that sort of lifestyle and you approved of those sorts of things, it would be absolutely unacceptable. But we... Open up our living rooms to that sort of junk and we invite it in. Number four, Breaking Bad. This show's about drug dealers and it talks about them uh, cooking up drugs. And it says that during the show, you find yourself hoping that they don't get caught because you're drawn into the characters and you like them so much you want them to get away with what they're doing. You see how these shows work? How they, they draw you in and they, and these, these producers are able to, to craft a show where even Christians are pulling for the bad guy, hoping that they win. Number three, The Big Bang Theory. This is another show that is incredibly funny, but if we talked openly, if I were to tell you right now the things that they do and they approve of on that television show, you would all crawl under the pew and blush. But when nobody's around, we invite that stuff into our living room. For you, maybe if you're under 25, let me tell you this, that the Big Bang Theory show would not be near as popular if they didn't have a pretty girl on it who was half-dressed most of the time. We live in a culture where sex sells. It absolutely does. If you have a store, if you have a storefront, sex sells. Rule number one in advertising. They use it to sell all sorts of things. You watch the Super Bowl and see if you're not drawn in by sexual advertisements. Number two, The Walking Dead. It's all about zombies. It's a horror movie. The Walking Dead and zombies. Let me tell you something about zombies. Um, the culture, whether you call them zombies or not, is enthralled with the idea of coming back from the dead. The vampire thing is enthralled with eternal life. 
Listen, all of the answers to coming back from the dead, all of the answers to eternal life, all of the questions that these shows are out to answer, whether you realize it or not, mankind since way back when in in the B.C. era has always been interested in eternal life. Look at Indiana Jones and the Holy Grail. What was the point of that? You drink from the cup so that it can make dad better and he can live forever. All of these shows are interested in these things, and we have the answers. The last show, uh, and I don't know if this one's true or not, but Game of Thrones, this is a, another fantasy-type show, uh, comes on HBO. Let me just comment quickly on each of the different genres. I talked to you about the vampires. I talked to you about the, the angels and the demons. That sort of thing, if, if you're into watching those shows, let me tell you this also. Those shows, whether you realize it or not, they have an effect on what you believe about God. Because when it's time to ask questions, and nobody asked any question like this in our, in our Q&A on Sunday night, people, people bring the garbage from those shows into what they believe about real angels, real demons, and real zombies and all that stuff. Whether you realize it or not, you're fed that junk from TV, and it comes into what you believe about God, whether you realize it or not. So we talked about those shows, and then there's also shows like The How I Met Your Mother and The Big Bang Theory that are totally selling you a show based on sexual immorality. You want to live your life through these characters' lives. That's the sort of thing that they're selling you. Yes, a lot of times they're funny, but whether you realize it or not, that has an effect on both your thought life and your spiritual life, whether you realize it or not. Then there's this whole uh, fantasy-type TV shows where you have the Game of Thrones where everybody's trying to be a king and this once upon a time. Let me tell you the danger with these fantasy-type TV shows. The culture that we live in now is not like the culture that we used to live in. Now, and, and I don't want to be offensive to, to any, any of you young men if you fall into this category of liking video games. But we have all these popular video games out now. The most popular one just came out this weekend where you go around stealing cars. You go around stealing cars, you get points, you get money, Grand Theft Auto. There's another game that's incredibly popular. Oh, it just left me. Um, Call of Duty is one of the ones where you go around, you're an army soldier, you go around to all these different places, and you're shooting up bad guys. You're, you're shooting zombies, you're shooting all these other things. And so we have a generation of people that we're raising, whether we realize it or not, that go to war on a TV screen. We have generations of young men who also, and I'm not just pinning down young men, this is, this is our culture as a whole. You have a, a group of, a generation of people who go to war on a video game console, on a TV screen, and then you have a same generation of people who seek out sex from TV screens. They watch these types of shows, they, they view all sorts of inappropriate material, and so we have people who are using TVs for sex, and they're using TVs for calling themselves men and going to war. And so we have a group of people, we're cultivating a culture that hasn't actually done anything except for sit in front of a TV screen and they call themselves men at the end of the day. But you used to have a generation of people who actually went off to war. You used to have generations of men who fought tooth and nail for a woman's heart and then they fought to keep it. This How I Met Your Mother show, there's a different girl that comes along each day. Each week, different girl. Listen, that's the easy way out. A different person each week. A different person each month. Let me tell you this. Anybody can do that. Anybody. 
We have some older people here that have been married for 50, 60 years. You want me to show you a real man? A real man wins the same woman's heart for 60 years. That's a task. You want to be a real man? Do that. Sometimes you'll think you're winning a different woman's heart each, uh, each year, but, but that's okay. That's what real men do. But we watch all of these shows, and these shows elevate manliness as something completely different from what the Bible says it is. So here we go. You're supposed to not even have a hint of sexual immorality, any kind of impurity, or of greed, because these are improper for God's saints. Remember, if you're a saint of God, if you're a child of God, you're not like that anymore. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. So we as people need to take a step back and we need to look at the things, that not which we do at church, not just the conversations that we have, but if we're going to truly be godly people, we need to think and we need to pray about the things that entertain us. Because those things draw you in. The last thing I'm going to talk about by way of entertainment is... um, the number one country song, Luke Bryan. A lot of you guys like Luke Bryan probably. A lot of you guys are probably going to stop coming to our church because I'm about to criticize him. But the number one song out right now is That's My Kind of Night. Luke Bryan's talking about a single girl. He's talking about drawing her in, taking her out to a cornfield. And then he wants her to do inappropriate things. Those are the sorts of songs that get stuck into our head. Those are the sorts of things that when there's idle time, we find ourselves singing whether we approve of the lyrics or not. And those are some of the things that we as Christians need to guard. If you're going to guard your mind, if you're going to guard your mouth, even the things that you don't think have an impact on you, do. When you start watching your favorite television show, like take Duck Dynasty, uh, if, if you have in your living room, if you have said happy, 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 that just goes to show you that those shows have an influence on you and you start acting and you start saying the same things that the characters say. And if you have children, it's even amplified because they don't know the difference between what they're supposed to do, what's real and what's not real. And there's a danger there. And so listen, don't hear me as the legalistic preacher who's saying that all of these things are bad and you stay away from them. Well, you should most of them. But don't hear me, don't hear me saying all these things. What I want you to come away with is I want you to be intentional about the things that you allow into your house. And I want you to be intentional about the things that you hear with your ears and that you say. So be careful. All this is going to come up later too. So here we go. Verse 4. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. Verse 5. For you can be sure of this. No immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a man as an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. So you can be sure of this. No one immoral, impure, or greedy has an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. If your life is characterized by immorality and greed and all of those other things. Listen, all of these shows are about immorality and greed. Every single one of them, at the core of them, is immorality and greed. If your life is consumed and looks like immorality and greed, there is no place for you in the kingdom of heaven. He says that if you live that way, you are lost. 
Remember, you have people who are dead in their trespasses and sin. Their life is dark. And then you have on this side, you have saints of God whose lives are out in the open and they're full of light. Light and darkness don't mix. They don't mix at all. When dark deeds come into the light, they're exposed. So you can't have one foot in and one foot out. Listen, you guys know what happens when you try to walk along a fence or a balance beam and you fall in the middle. What happens? It hurts. It's not pleasant. There's no, there's no benefit to walking the fence. It's bad. You're either in the light or you're in the darkness. And he says that these things are somewhat of a litmus test to see which side you're on. So verse 5, you can be sure of this. None of these people have an inheritance in the kingdom of God. Verse 6, let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. So don't let anyone deceive you with empty words. You want me to tell you what some empty words are? It's okay. Don't worry about it. It's all right. It's just a little bit. What I'm telling you this morning, I'm not going to win a popularity contest for. When I take the things that you like and I tell you that most of them are evil, that's not a popular thing. You know somebody's empty words? Somebody at lunch is going to tell you, no, he was... He was over and above. He, he went too far. It's not really like that. Let me tell you, those are idle words. You as a Christian are to love the light. You're to love the things of God and you are to shun evil. Shun evil. You're supposed to be in the world, but you're not supposed to be of the world. And anyone who tells you anything different is filling you up with a bunch of junk because those are absolutely empty words. Someone who says, don't worry about that sort of evil. Listen, when God came to Cain, he told Cain, sin is lurking at your door. And its desire is to consume you. It's not just there and it wants to to hang out and have dinner with you. Sin wants to eat you alive as a Christian. And you have to conquer it or it will, it will absolutely eat you. Peter's gonna say sin and the devil are like a roaring lion and he's seeking someone to devour. And he uses programs like this and things that we like to eat you alive. I was watching that, um, that show that just came on, the million second quiz. Pretty good show. Pretty, pretty entertaining. Do you know what happened on every commercial break during the million second quiz? Remember, if you watched it at all, they would have the show, the, the maybe 10 minute segment, and then they would have commercials, and then they would let you see kind of behind the scenes on the set for about five, 10 seconds, and then they jump to more commercials, and then the show would be on. During all of the commercials, they had tons of people out giving people makeup, giving people, uh, like spot iron in their clothes and all kinds of goofy things, so these people on TV looked their best all the time. There wasn't a hair out of place. I told Jesse, I said, there's no way these geeks showed up with these nice clothes. There's no way all these guys showed up for this show completely well-dressed and well-manicured. It's completely fake. Everything you see from Hollywood is fake. If you watch these shows, and because of these shows, you think less of your spouse, you think that your spouse should be one way or the other, all those people you see on TV are completely made up, and they look exactly the way the people want them to make. 
to look. There's nothing real about the women and the men on TV. It's all fake. How can a spouse live up to the people they see on TV? They can't because it's not real. And this is the sort of evil that's killing the church. It's killing our marriages. And we need to shun much of it. So he says then, therefore, don't be partners with them. So I've gotten off talking about media and such, but I want to also talk about people that surround you that call themselves Christians. If you're around Christians who approve of all sorts of evils, and I've showed you that just because something's evil doesn't necessarily mean that it's, it's bad to the eyes. Satan doesn't really wear a red suit and carry a pitchfork. That's what we think of as evil. Satan is actually disguised as an angel of light. So if you saw Satan for who he really was, he would be more appealing to you than he was distasteful. Because God created him as an angel of light. And so sometimes evil comes packaged as something that looks good. And so if you're around people who like to approve of this sort of evil, don't be partners with them. The church doesn't partner with people who are living in outright sin. Now, the church goes to and tries to to see, help people seek repentance who are living in outright sin. But listen, I want to tell you something. I haven't talked to anyone else about this, but this is a, a fundamental truth of the church. If you are here and you're living in open, rebellious sin, there's no place for you in the church. That's not what church people do. The church is the body of Christ. We as a church, do we sin? Yes. Is the church full of sinners? Yes, without a doubt. But we, as a group of sinners, are actively pursuing Christ at all costs, and we're not getting held up in any sins, and we're not clinging to any sins. We're casting everything off, and we're chasing after Christ. That's what we do. That's what the church is supposed to be full of, people who are pursuing Christ at all costs. And so if there's some sort of sin in our life, we throw it off, and we turn to Christ. If we find that we've been, we've been caught up in sin, maybe we've been hoodwinked, we've been tricked, and now we're in a sinful situation, we don't stay in it as Christians. We flee from it. And that's what the church is supposed to be characterized by. Do we love sinners? Yes. We love sinners in the church who are willing to and trying to repent. That's what we're here for. We're not here as a group of people who have been saved and we support each other in our sin. We're a group of people who are pressing onwards towards the goal of Christ. I probably left something out there. So don't, if you think I'm a heretic midway through the week, give me a call and we'll, we'll tidy things up. Give me the benefit of the doubt. Then he says in verse eight, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the world, in the Lord. Live as a child of light. For the fruit of light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible. So he says, and we're going to move quickly through the last little section. He says, you were once darkness, now you're light. Live like it. Then in verse 9, he says, the fruit of the light... This is how you tell if you're living in the light. The light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. So, when life squeezes you, if you take an apple and you want apple juice, you squeeze the apple and what comes out is the juice from the apple. 
When you are squeezed by life, when stress, when trials, when all sorts of things come your way and you are squeezed, what is the byproduct of that squeezing? It should be goodness, righteousness, and truth. When you are in life and things get hard, you ought to bleed the fruits of the Spirit. When you are put to the test and life is difficult, those are the things that should come out of your life as opposed to malice, rage, and all of those other things that God told us to leave behind. So you, as a child of the light, your life should consist of goodness, righteousness, and truth. Part of that goodness is generosity. So are you generous? Are you righteous? Are you truthful? Then find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. When someone comes your way and they're doing something that's fruitless, when they're doing something that may be immoral, do you do what Ephesians said in the earlier chapter? Do you speak the truth in love? Do you expose the darkness or do you just let it slide? When you let something slide, you are showing that you approve of it, whether you realize it or not. Remember when you were kids and you took something to your dad and you showed dad what you were doing? If dad didn't say, no, son, don't do that, it gave you the green light to tear it up. Remember? Let me tell you about what not speaking up does. The media is in, a, is, in, is in way over its head right now as far as immorality and things like that go. But there was a time where TV was, was a little bit better. There was a time where shows like uh, I Love Lucy, the Dick Van Dyke show, a lot of those shows were on. Now, some of those shows had agendas also. But uh, now when you turn on your television set, homosexuality has run rampant. It used to not be like that. Do you know where it started? And all of this is not... Concrete. What I'm going to tell you is true, but I may not, I, there may be other sources also that are involved. But for some of the most part, do you know when homosexuality, homosexuality on TV started? Seinfeld. We laughed at homosexuals when Seinfeld came on. They pictured homosexuality as something that was not desirable, but it was funny. And so we laughed at it. And 20 years later, what we once laughed at has now become acceptable. Think about it when you go home. It used to be when you watched older TV shows um, like I Love Lucy, a married couple slept in separate beds. The Cosby Show came around, and the Cosby Show was one of the first shows where a married couple slept together, and that was considered risque. When a married couple would share the same bed on TV, what is this? Now, couples that aren't even married are sharing the same bed on TV. So by people not speaking up and by us as a people laughing at things as opposed to standing up and saying, no, this is not something that we'll stand for, we are showing that we actually agree with what's going on. Don't think that you can laugh something off and it will go away. You laugh at something today and tomorrow it will be widely accepted. Guaranteed. So... Don't have anything, verse 11, to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. For it's shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. Like I told you, that show, um, The Big Bang Theory, if I told you what those people did in secret, it would be incredibly shameful. I'm not going to tell you because that's how shameful it is. It says don't even mention those things. 
If you're not supposed to mention something, do you think that God intended for you to watch it on, on a big screen TV broadcasted for your whole house to hear? I don't think so. Sometimes we tell our kids, don't do this, and then they go and do something outlandishly different but worse, and they think, oh, but you didn't tell me not to do that. And it's like, well, duh, that was a given. Um, But everything exposed by the light becomes visible. For This is verse 14. For it is light that makes everything visible. This is why it is said, wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Verse 15. Be very careful then how you live. Christian, be careful how you live. Don't just go through life and think just because you woke up and went to sleep that you had a successful day. Be careful how you live. Be careful. Remember the songs that we teach our kids? Be careful, little eyes, what you see. Be careful, little ears, what you hear. For the Father up above is looking down with love. So be careful, little ears, what you hear. Just because you're over 21 doesn't mean that that song doesn't apply. Some of your best spiritual truths will come out of children's songs. So don't replace them with worldly songs. Stick to them. Be careful how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. You're not just supposed to go through life as a Christian. You're supposed to be careful. You're supposed to be wise. You're supposed to make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. I'm going to stop there for today. So, therefore, don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. I'm going to go over to the book of Romans, chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, you can flip there if you want to be quick or you can just listen. Romans 12, 2 says this. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Ladies and gentlemen, church, God has a Plan. He has a purpose and he has a will for your life. And he says here that you're not supposed to be like the world. You're supposed to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And how can you, as a Christian, transform your mind if for seven hours, the, the statistic for students is seven and a half hours a day, they have media pouring into their minds. They're either watching it on TV or listening to it or some sort of media is coming in. 7.5 hours a day. If you're supposed to transform your mind, but all you do is cut on the TV or the radio and fill your mind with garbage, how are you then able to actually transform your mind? You can't. Culture has you if you fill your mind with that sort of stuff. But you as a Christian are supposed to transform your mind. You're not even supposed to think like the world. You're supposed to be different. And so... Don't be transformed by the world. Excuse me. Don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by renewing this. And so you can't transform this if you put in more junk than you put this in. It just doesn't happen. You can't put in seven hours of junk and then read two verses before you go to bed and think that your mind is going to be transformed. It doesn't work that way. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind and then... Only then, and this is the last point, 
Only then, once you have transformed your mind, will you be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Guys, if you are trapped by culture, if, if, if culture has your mind and you're not actively transforming your mind to be more like Christ, you're never going to be able to test and prove what the will of God is for your life. And God's will for your life is better than all of this stuff. Do you know, and, and, and I promise you that every time you come here, I won't talk about sex and sexual immorality and things like that. So you guys that, that are older than me, don't, don't hear me as, a, as some wiry youth who's just saying all these wild things. But when the scripture talks about things, I'll talk about it too. If you were to actually live out the Big Bang Theory life, if you were to actually live out the How I Met Your Mother life, it would come up wanting. You would, you would have a hole for more of the trash. It's not fulfilling. That life doesn't fulfill people. It doesn't. Look at Charlie Sheen. The guy had everything you could ever imagine, bought all sorts of things, and where did it land him? Counseling. If you look at the covers, I look at magazine covers when I go to the store. Do you know what recently has been coming out? I see ads like this, and they're not as big as the other ones. Trash sells. I told you, sex sells. I saw an ad the other day called Red Hot Monogamy. I heard somebody snicker. See, we, we snicker at things that are good. Your monogamy should be red hot. It should be. You shouldn't desire the, the junk that you see on TV. You should desire what's pure and good. But so often, even in the church, we approve the junk on TV. What if I said this? This is going to make you laugh. What if I said, and I'm, and I'm not saying this, if you're asleep, wake up. I don't want you to, I don't want you to be embarrassed. If I said, if you're single and in this room and you're a virgin, please stand up. What if I said that? Even in the church, people would snicker at those people. It should be that we as a church, we applaud them. It should be that a, that an older man in the church says, son, come here. If you can keep yourself pure until you get married, I will pay for your honeymoon. That's the sort of stuff that we should be doing. We should be pushing the church towards purity. We should be pushing these things, but instead, you're going to sit at home and you're going to say, man, that was weird what he said. But, but culture is so far away from this that when I, when I say that if you're a man in this room, if you're a woman in this room and you're single and you remain a virgin until you get married, that you are highly esteemed more than anyone else because you kept yourself pure. That gets one amen. And you wonder why the church is going down the tubes. It's because we want to be more like TV than we do Christ. And guys, think, think about the stuff that you watch. Parents, think about the stuff that you bring into your home. Parents, think about the friends that you have that you let your, your kids be around. Your kids are like sponges. And you only get one chance. Shun what's evil and cling to what is good. Okay? We're going to come into our time of invitation. I'm going to pray for us. If, if you feel led to respond in any way to, to the message that's been preached, don't think that, uh, that it has to be because 
of some sort of sexual immorality or something like that. Listen, God uses all sorts of methods to stir people's hearts about all sorts of different things. And so when we come to this song of invitation, if you feel led to, uh, to move in some way, shape, or form, then, uh, then you feel the freedom to do so uh, without being looked down upon. But let me pray for us, and we'll get started. Father, we come to you today, and we admit that we have failed drastically. God, we have allowed ourselves to become trapped by a culture that is hostile towards you. God, we have allowed our children to become hooked on all sorts of things that have absolutely nothing to do with godliness. So, Lord, I pray that, uh, I pray that everyone here would spend time this week reading Ephesians chapter 5, stewing on Ephesians chapter 5. And trying, trying so hard to apply it to their lives. God, I pray that we would not be a people who tolerate evil. But I pray that we would be a people who loathe evil but cling to Christ. Help us to love purity more than the garbage that we see from Hollywood. And help us to be a church that is without blemish. And we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. If you guys would stand for our song of invitation. Guys, it was a joy to see you again. I hope that, uh, I hope that you'll give some, some honest thought and reflection, uh, to some of the things we talked about. Um, if you have any questions or concerns during the week, um, you know, give me a call. If you've got any questions about anything, uh, call me and maybe we'll get together, have lunch or something. I'd love to, uh, to hear some of your feedback, uh, on things like this. Uh, I, I, by no way, shape or form think that, um, that I'm the type of guy to hand something down to you like this that's black or white. I want it to, to be something that, that God stirs in your heart and out of your own personal convictions, um, you possibly change your life, not out of me putting certain convictions on you. And so just know that uh, during the week I pray for you guys. I love you guys and care about you. Uh, glad to see you. I hear the rain's going to go away soon, so we'll still have a good day. And uh, don't forget about homecoming coming up. Uh, make sure you invite some people. Uh, we're going to break out some new things for you guys on homecoming, so don't have a heart attack on us. Uh, but we're going we're gonna to make it a place where uh, make the service uh, Trying to make it really engaging for possibly your lost friends to come in and, and take part. Uh, hope you have a good week. Uh, Brother Allen, will you close us in prayer?